Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I'm your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Malcolm Brogdon's Clippers career to my Brooke Lopez's Thunder career. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? It's going better than Malcolm Brogdon, I guess. Poor Malcolm Brogdon, future president of the United States with, I guess, terrible knees. It's rough. Yeah, it's rough. Kind of kind of rough for the Celtics in a way, too, of that you were going to trade a guy who really was going to play for you for KP mm-hmm. and then turned it up turned up and traded a role, you know, a, a nice part of your team, which may be okay for them, honestly, in the future. But yeah, interesting. We'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll give a, we'll, g- <laughs> we'll give a trigger warning when we get to Celtics talk so that our friend Brad can tune out for that five minutes. Yeah. Uh, I think <clears throat> it's been a, it's been a rough couple of days for our buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, we have so much to talk about. We're going to get right into it. We are going to, we're going to go through the draft in the back half of the episode, we have three major trades that we're going to talk about. That'll take up a little bit of time as well. Um, no idea how long this thing will go. Uh, we've got to start, though, Tobin, just like really, I mean, maybe a minute, two minutes, uh, because like the Denver Nuggets won the title and uh, we were not around to record. Unfortunately, one of the, the downsides of Tobin and I's both of our, our uh, careers is that we are frequently um, at camp or about to go to camp or just getting back from camp um, during mm-hmm. what is one of the more exciting months of the of the season for the NBA. So that's a tough that's a tough th- thing to work through as an NBA podcast. Um, it'd be cool if camps would work around our schedule. You know, like maybe we go to camp in March, Tobin, or just or try. just you know like have internet. <laughs> At camps. <laughs> yeah, that could also work. Um, you have way more free time at camp than I do. I do. I, like, yeah. I, I leave for camp tomorrow. We're recording this Friday morning. I leave for camp tomorrow, and, like, I, won't, I will maybe get text messages So sometimes, uh, but I, I will not be able to walk away and record even if I, if I was. So next week, I don't know. We'll, I get back on Wednesday. Wednesday is usually when we record. Um, it may just depend on how beat I am. So we'll see. Anyway, um, the Nuggets won the title. I think they were through like two games last time we recorded maybe. Yeah. Um, my only, th- and, and I, I want to be clear. We were pretty hard in on, the, on, on, on the Nuggets, uh, most of, of this year. Not talking about the Nuggets is not a, uh, <laughs> we're not a national media thing of it's not the Lakers. So it doesn't matter. Uh, this was an incredibly impressive season that they put together all together. It genuinely is just, Hey, we're going to be here for two hours anyway. So we don't mm-hmm. have time to, to break down the rest of that final series. Um, it was an, a mega impressive thing. I, I more than anything else. So my biggest takeaway, it, well, two things, Jokic is incredible. He's the best player in the league and he has been for the last probably three seasons. I think Giannis is really the only person who's, who's kind of come close to, uh, touching that or maybe to actually being the, 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 the best player in the league over Jokic. He was incredible this entire run. I'm glad that casuals, I guess, finally got an opportunity to take him seriously uh, because it was an amazing thing to watch his like run through. And it, he had great support, obviously, but it was great to watch. Um, the other thing I would say is that... I think that there's some real lessons that can be learned regarding team building that come from the Nuggets winning here because they don't have any other all-stars on the team. Although, 
you could have made a case for either Aaron Gordon or Jamal Murray. But it doesn't matter. No other All Stars on the team this year. Um, <clears throat> kind of reminds you of a certain built- team, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the flip side of that is everybody else in the starting lineup is a lottery pick. So that's it's, true. It's not like I mean the the draft thing with Jokic is incredible. He's because he's late second round pick basically so many years ago. Um, but everybody else in that lineup is is a is a lottery pick. Uh, so it's it's not quite like, uh, like if the Heat had won, you'd be like, hey, there's some all the undrafted players and all that kind of stuff. Um, but still, it it really should inform teams on how to team build because it took time. They, uh, they were sort of slow in assembling the the players that were right for this team. They made really smart margins moves. Keep bringing up Bruce Brown, and I'm going to do it one more time. Um, getting Bruce Brown on the taxpayer MLE is it was a steal. I thought it was a great signing at the time, and it turned out to be even better than I could have hoped for. Giving Jeff Green a home a couple of years ago and kind of letting that sink in. The KCP trade was a great, great move. And then they're, they, you know, look, Christian Brown was in their top eight mm-hmm. in the finals, and he was, I think, the 26th pick in the draft, something like that. So, um, there's a lot to be learned there for teams if if teams are willing to to learn that lesson. Um, and in fairness to them, people like us did not love that pick, and it ended up being working out for yeah, us. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And the last thing I'll say, then I'll turn it over to you if you have any thoughts. Is just I also think it was kind of cool that they won without making a ton of threes. Like, yeah, they're a good three point shooting team. They had games where they hit lots of threes. Don't get me wrong, but in the majority of the finals games, like they were not lighting it up. And it, I. I just like, I mean, I, threes are great. I have nothing against threes. I'm not a Steph Curry ruin the game kind of person because that's insane. It was just nice to see a team win the freaking finals um, while having nights where they were continuously just not knocking down three after three after three. It's just cool to have a little bit of variance in there. Mm-hmm. So, um, your thoughts on, on Nuggets win before we get into the offseason stuff? Well, to be fair, I, I did not see the... V- fourth or fifth game because at my camp it was basically here here's your camp and hope nothing <laughs> happens because it's, the right. whole world could have right. fallen apart and i would have not have known because there was no internet or cell service out sure. there so i'm coming in a little blind i watched some recaps watched i kind of like watch it on on dvr but uh the thing to your point about the no threes is it it just seemed like every series they adapted to what they needed to, needed to do which is a sign of a really great team um mm-hmm. i'm happy for Jokic. it you know, it's one of those things where I think if they didn't have some injuries from Murray and maybe even Michael Porter, slightly, you know, Michael Porter Jr. in the past, they may have already, you know, come like maybe knock this off a little bit. But the fact that they kind of got through the pain and still won, I think if, if you know, speaking from experience, I think the pain kind of makes the championship even sweeter. So mm-hmm. um, they're already making moves to solidify themselves in the, for the next couple of years as well. And especially with the new CBA and tax apron and stuff. And so. Uh, I mean, good for them. I, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember if it was to you in, in person or just on the podcast, but my fear for them right now is that Mike Malone ends up being the next bud and he, you know, he, he <laughs> gained himself two extra years and in two years they're gonna be like, Oh man, we got to get rid of this guy. But, um, but I mean, I enjoy it. Jokic was great. I think it was, it's really cool to see, um, a selfless, 
person like him win a title and and really just do it the right way and that was really cool um but yeah i mean congratulations it's it, it, I, I don't know about you but i kind of like it when teams that haven't won in a while get to check that off as a, as a fan of multiple franchises that either have one title or have never won a title it's it's just kind of nice to see those kind of guys get get theirs basically yeah, yeah i totally agree I, I in the in our lifetimes i think I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me anymore, but there, I think there is like, there's only been nine or 11 teams maybe that have won a title. It's like, you know, obviously the Bulls and the, the Lakers and the Celtics and the Pistons and whatnot have, and the Spurs have combined for all of these titles over our lifetime. So in the last five years, I think we've had the Raptors, the Bucks and the Nuggets win titles. Um, I know the Bucks had a title with, with, uh, with Kareem, with Lou Alcindor back in the day. But, like, in our lifetimes, none of those teams have won titles, and they've all won titles in the last mm-hmm. three years. So it's just kind of cool to have a little bit of, of, of variance, I think. Yeah, totally agree. So I like that, too. So, yeah. All right, let's uh, – so respect to the Nuggets. That was awesome. They should be the prohibitive favorites to win next year, although I've seen some odds that are favoring the next team that we should – we're going to talk about here, and I, I don't think I necessarily agree – uh, Tobin, walk us through the big Wizards Suns trade from earlier this week. Yeah, so the Suns they traded Bradley Beal. Oh, sorry, the Wizards traded Bradley Beal, Jordan Goodwin, and Isaiah Todd to the Wizards for the uh, the corpse of Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, six second round picks, and four pick swaps. So Bradley Beal for basically second round picks and what ended up being the right to trade Chris Paul. So, um, I have a lot of my initial thoughts. I'll just go and say my, my initial thoughts were yikes. I mean, the thing that this Suns team struggled with that when they made the KD trade was everybody was joke was, is that's great. But when you go to the bench, there's nothing. And you took the one player that kind of brought something off the bench for you and you traded him for another starter. That's just going to take Chris Paul's place. And so I don't think that this is a, it's not a, it's not a bad move in a sense, but I don't necessarily think it's a championship move. And I really thought we were going to see an eight and trade right after this to kind of help. And that's still possible, Mm -hmm. obviously, but I really thought they were going to like trade off Aiton, who's their best, best tradable asset probably right now and get a few role players and stuff to kind of like piece it out. But it does not seem that that's going to be the case for them. So, um, what were your initial thoughts? I mean, obviously there's more to this, like as we go, there's another trade that this trade plays into, but there's Mm -hmm. more to this going forward. But what about the specific one stood out to you? I don't, (sighs) for the Suns, this just reeks of new owner syndrome to me. I, this is like building a fantasy team and that just doesn't, just doesn't work out. Like, can we hang on? Um, Let's, let's hard stop there. Let's talk about this. So Ish, Ish be a, took over in February, like two weeks for the trade deadline. So since then his moves have been to trade basically his whole Mm -hmm. team for Kevin Durant and a -hmm. bunch of first round picks, which, you know, like we all said we would do a hundred times out of a hundred and then turned around, fired a pretty successful coach did Mm -hmm. not trade his disgruntled player who everybody on the outside has said it's probably time for him to go. And yeah, is now yes. traded Bradley for Bradley Bill, and it, to his credit, I will say 
they were like a week ago talking about sign about just waving Chris Paul. So the fact that he was able to use Chris mm-hmm. Paul's money to get a player is he needs to, he gets credit for that. I'll give him credit for that. But he is done, like you, like you said, he's been a 2k owner since he started. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm interrupting, but those are the things that he's done. If no. you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> and, and I think something you mentioned in there is not insignificant. It, the, the fact that the, this leak comes out that they're going to, I don't even know if it was a leak that they kind of put out there even that they were going to wave Chris Paul and then walked it back basically kind of feels like new owner and his uh trusted advisor Isaiah Thomas one of the dumbest mm-hmm. people who's mm-hmm. ever been mm-hmm. in basketball mm-hmm. operations mm-hmm. kind of feels like they made a decision and then uh James Jones was like hey guys 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 stop like you know we can do something with this right like this is a this is a valuable. Chris Paul may not be that valuable. His deal the, is the pay, the pay, but the deal, the way that we like, stop talking. What are you doing? Um, so that <laughs> I didn't love that. I, <clears throat> it's interesting to me. I mean, I just mentioned off the top with the Nuggets of how I feel like the Nuggets' success could inform a lot of teams on how to build. And the Suns just completely ignored it. Just complete, and they had a firsthand look at it. Um, mm-hmm. We talked a couple of weeks ago about like kind of the big three era is over. This new CBA is going to make it cost prohibitive in a big way to to do this kind of thing. And I know that the new CBA doesn't go into effect this this next season, so not really. But it does matter though, like. Bradley Beal is owed $46 million, $50 million, $53 million, and $57 million over the next four years of his deal. He has not played enough games since 2000. He, he played a full season in 1819. Yeah, he's not exactly tearing it up either. Like this, you're, not, you're not getting well, pre-COVID Bradley Beal that was like a, a star. Like that's, just, that's the thing. Beal, in his second and third season in the league shot 40% from three, 40 plus percent from three. He did it again in 16, 17, but like I would, I mean, look, the last five seasons, excuse me, the last six seasons of Bradley Beal shooting wise are 35%, 35%, 35%, 30% completely fell off a cliff and then 36%. So it's like, that's fine. Like 35% is sort of like, the kind of the marker for like, yeah, you're, you're a good shooter or at least you're like, you're, you're a decent enough shooter, but he's going to be playing off ball a lot. There's just, there's, I just don't, there's only one ball. Like there's only so many shots to go around and this was like, not what they needed. I don't, I just don't like flipping CP into a, a, a good basketball player a borderline basketball player, like on paper, that's fine. Or in a vacuum, that's fine. It's just, what, what does Bradley Beal bring to the table that this team didn't already have? And Mm -hmm. I, I, I just, I've I've read a few articles, listened to a few pods and kind of the sentiment has been, um, well, offensively, they're going to be great. Or, or at the very least, offensive, like Zach Lowe, who I really respect, was like, well, offensively, they're going to be fine. I'm not worried about that at all. And I just, I feel like the last few times that we've said when a big trade happens, whether you're talking about Harden to the, the Nets or even Kyrie to the Mavs, it's like 
these guys are all great offensive players. So we just like, we kind of write it off. Like, yeah, that's fine. They'll figure it out. They'll, they'll be good. And I feel like more often than not, that is not the case. Like the offense. I mean, it wasn't for the Mavs. It took the Mavs forever. It certainly wasn't for the Mavs. And there's lots of reasons for that. Like the Nuggets, or excuse me, the, the, the Nets, it was. It was great for the 11 games that they played together. So, you know, I, I'm not, I just, I guess I'm willing to look stupid in January if they're averaging 125 points a game, you know, and it just doesn't matter at all. But like. I feel like we're probably too quick to just be like, well, these are all really good offensive, great offensive players, so they'll it'll be fine. That part of it will be fine. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case, or at least I think it's worth worth questioning or saying, hey, how does this even work? And then the flip side of this is, defensively, this is a nightmare. Bradley Beal is a terrible defender. Devin Booker can be a competitive defender, but he's not stopping anyone. Kevin Durant's 36 years, 35 years old. Like, he cannot be the best defender on a team at this point. They still have this Aiton thing hanging out there, which I assume they're going to try to flip him for a one-for-three kind of a deal. But And then they'll fill out the roster by overpaying, like, Torrey Craig and Jock Landau and guys, guys like that that they have bird rights or, or half bird rights to, early bird rights, things like that. Like, the roster will get filled out, but... It's going to get filled out with a whole lot of guys who mm-hmm. are virtually minimum players, even if they're not getting paid minimum contracts. And I don't know how, I don't know how it works. Like I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not into this. I'm, I'm not into, I'm not a Bradley Beal guy on paper. He is a really strong secondary player for Kevin Durant but Devin Booker is the better is so much better than Bradley Beal and now he's going I just it's a weird deal to me man I don't I don't get it and, and and I don't know maybe if it was if it was an ownership front office situation like uh Miami you know or the Nuggets mm-hmm. or somebody like that that I trust at this point then it would maybe change my my feeling on it but it's really hard to separate I have some real questions about how this works I don't think it does and then also, I kind of think this is ownership front office situation is a nightmare. So those two things can, together, uh, not my thing. On the flip side of this, on the one hand, the Wizards have no real leverage at all because for some reason, the former front office gave, uh, the previous front office uh, gave Bradley Beal a no trade clause, which, holy cow, what are we doing, guys? Uh to only get back some second round picks and pick swaps is is pretty rough in today's NBA. Now they did flip CP, but I don't think they did a great job with the flipping of CP. I don't know. I've seen I've seen opinions all over the place on the Wizards side. Yeah, of this I don't think there's really. I don't think either one of them is really a, a win. If I'm being honest, like, sure. I think that they both kind of came away with, you know, like I think they got Beal for less than there's probably could have been out there. So I think if, if in that respect, they're probably, that is a win from a financial and assets standpoint, but you said all of those things and not to say that, that what you're saying is not true and not accurate, but it, to me, it still doesn't, that's not the important part. The like, fine. Like they can be a fit. The fit is what it is, but the bigger problem is we only had half a season, not even half a season of Durant sons because he was hurt. And mm-hmm. you got a brand new coach who's 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 had experience with this kind of stuff before. It's not like you're bringing in a guy that's never coached before. So like that's that's not that big of a deal. Um, 
my thing is, is that you have three star players now who all have injury histories, first of all. Now, some of that could be Bill just being, hey, I'm tired of playing in Washington, which, you know, to, sure. fine. I can't really blame him. Um, but I don't see how after an 82, uh, how in an 82 game season, these guys can carry the 35 plus minute load you know, and, and be a 50 win team. I mean, they'll be, they'll win 50 games, obviously, but if they want to be a 60 win team and be a top three seed, they're going to have to play 35 plus minutes every single night. And then you go into the playoffs with an older Kevin Durant, a beat up Devin Booker, who's going to get beat up. And then Bradley Bill, who's never really, you know, played a long season like that in a long time. I, I think that's the bigger issue. I think the biggest issue is that they don't have any depth like at all. And mm-hmm. the only thing they can hope is that this team gets a gets a LeBron James treatment of hey, there's some veterans that come for the minimum that can actually get you some good minutes, which is, is definitely possible. But I don't. I it's just it doesn't matter what the fit is and offensively if you if you end up having to play. I, I mean, Jock Landell, you know, 40, right. 40 minutes a game, right. and I, I don't even know. And Tory Craig, I don't even know who their backup point guard is at this point because. I just can't, I can't even, I don't have the team in front of me, but, um, that's the bigger issue to me is, yeah, you got a good deal for bill, but you need, you didn't need another star. In my opinion, you needed to fill out the roster full of a bunch of complimentary role players. And they just, and they, like I said, they could still do that. They have a piece where they could still theoretically get away with that. I just don't think that that's Ishbia's way. It sounds like he's going to be the, Mm -hmm. For lack of a better word, he's going to be the Mark Cuban of this is a big name. I want it. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Uh, Let's go to the other. So the Wizards get <sighs> CP and then they they flipped him. So talk us through that. All right. So the Wizards got CP and they flipped him to the Warriors for Jordan Poole, Patrick Baldwin, Ryan Rollins, a 2027 second round pick. And a 2030, which, first of all, 2030 first-round pick kind of made me feel like, good grief, like, are we already to the point where we can trade picks that far away? That that felt that felt <laughs> yeah. sad. So 2030 first-round pick that is top 20 protected. And, yes, that will probably be a post-Curry Warriors pick, which means it could theoretically be pretty juicy. But it won't matter because it's top 20 protected. So I don't understand, like – Yes, you got Chris Paul for basically nothing. I mean, like, I mean, like not, nothing. You, I'm sorry. That's the other way around. You got Chris Paul and you gave up Bradley Bill for that. And so then you turned Bradley Bill's piece and got a player back and then no first round picks that are actually viable. I don't know what the protections are on this one yet. Like if it's converts to a second round pick or if not a first later on. Um, I'm not sure if that's even been released yet, but. I have a lot of thoughts about this one. Kind of the same kind of thing of, I don't feel like there's a winner in this situation because Jordan Poole is not going to win in this because he's not have to go play in Washington. The wizards aren't going to win because now Jordan Poole has to play in Washington. (laughs) They didn't get a first round pick that seems serviceable. And the warriors have a player who I just do not understand the fit there in the least. I mean, I, I hadn't even really been thinking about the starting lineup until you said to me last night, we're watching the draft that, He's not going to start. I was like, he has to start. And I started processing like, oh, no, like, how is he going to start? And so, like, I, yeah, I question fit on all the aspects of this big time. 
I get it from the Warriors' perspective on two fronts. One, it clears it clears cap space. Uh, That's true. It gets, you, it gets yeah. you off the contract that you you immediately regretted. Like the second you signed Jordan Poole, you're like, "Crap, I hate this. We got to get out of this." Uh, so it gets you off that deal. We said previously that getting out of Jordan Poole business was important for the Warriors because you may be able to present um, Draymond Green and Klay Thompson with with lower offers than what they feel mm-hmm. like they're worth <clears throat> if you're not also at the exact same time paying Jordan Poole an insane amount of money. It's a, it, it, I don't know if that's going to happen for either of those guys with Dre or Clay, but it's way more likely that they take a team-friendly deal when they're not looking at the team's cap sheet saying, but you're paying this guy. So there's some value in that. And then the flip side is the Warriors were a complete disaster last season when, when Curry was out. Mm-hmm. Like whether he, when you're talking injury or just like he went to the bench to start the second quarter and everything fell apart. Having CP, like having somebody who will run the offense during those minutes, um, clearly was something that they were serious about figuring out this summer. And so I, I get it on that front from a basketball standpoint, CP and golden state do not make any sense together. Like whatsoever, like his, his style of play is diametrically opposed to Kerr's style of play mm-hmm. and to really the whole thing that has worked for this uh, this team over the years. Like they're just it doesn't work it it doesn't it doesn't work at all. Um, and then you're gonna have and like we, like you just said like he's not the starter there. Maybe he's fine with that. Maybe he is. I just I don't see any world where he is. Sorry, I'm interrupting. I don't see any world where Chris Paul. Is fine not being a starter. I just don't. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I no one hates Chris Paul as much as I hate Chris Paul. Um, last year had to be very humbling for him. Like even for somebody who I, who, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I, nobody really wants to be humbled, you know. Sure, so, I, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe it was eye opening. Maybe eye opening is the word to use there. Like maybe he. Yeah. May, like this is his that chance. It makes, <laughs> makes me think of like a husband. <laughs> I don't know if this is, we see this a lot in our circles where when people, <laughs> I shouldn't, when, when guys are talking about their wives, like on their birthday or whatever, and she's like, she keeps me humble. You're like, mm, that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound like something you're actually interested in. If I'm being honest. Um, anyway, I may, there has to be part of him that says I'm 38 years old, uh, 39 years old, whatever. Every freaking season, my body falls apart. I am only going to get to play 20 to 25 minutes a game this season. And the, the, uh, the reward for that is I have a chance at winning a title, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe that's still, but he's not, he can't be the starter. Honestly, I said last night, whether if they say, if they, if they resign Draymond, then CP can't, can't start. I don't think it matters. If they resign Draymond, they still have to figure, or if they don't resign Draymond, they still have to figure out, uh, a lineup that does not include, Chris Paul and Steph Curry starting together. It's just not, that's not tenable. But more than that, it's like who in the grand scheme of things, who cares about who starts? It's, it, it is about the last six, eight minutes of the mm-hmm. game who finishes. Um, sometimes I, I, I just don't know. I, he ends up being a spot up shooter. That was sort of the plan with KD and, and Booker in Phoenix. And it didn't really work out as far as him being a knockdown spot up shooter. He wasn't good last season. So, 
I don't know that that works out. It comes, it becomes just, all right, we, we got off this contract and then we got to talk about the wizards. Cause the contract, by the way, 28 million next year, 30 million, 33 million, 35 million mm-hmm. for Jordan Poole. We got off this deal. Uh, and now we have somebody that we can trust. It's just, there's going to have to be a major compromise between Kerr and CP on how do we how do we use your minutes? How do we play when you're the guy running the show? Because this doesn't make any sense stylistically. Um, I don't dig that. From the Washington side, um, Jordan Poole is probably my least favorite player in the league, so I'm I'm definitely not going to be positive on this. I I heard a couple of pods today that were like talking about how uh, not necessarily how good Jordan Poole is, but like basically saying that we are all underrating Jordan Poole. And I say, no, we're not. He could, he might average 30 points a game next year and they will win 15 games. Like that's sort of his inevitable (laughs) destiny as an NBA player is just to be like, he gets all the shots he wants finally. And the team is terrible because he has all the shots that he wants. I I don't want to give wizards GM credit because I don't think that he, that they're coming off great in this moment because we're about to talk about another thing that's going to make them look even dumber in my opinion um but my my one takeaway about the pool thing is it's not a great deal but he is he is a name that you can still kind of like market with for now (laughs) um you to your point i do think you're right i think he's going to be that guy that's destined to get 30 points on a 15 win team but I also think they want that. I think that's what they want. And to be bad. Yes. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. And, I think they want to tank and then and they should. Yes. Um But the last thing is is that I yeah. think that in two years, when you are maybe pulling some assets together and you're able to like start making that that rev up to being a good young team again, a thirty million dollar guy who can be a shooter or a playmaker in a trade deadline even though we've seen what he can do is theoretically marketable to a title defender or title runner. So I, yeah. I do think that there is some positives to this thing. He's just not exactly the person that I would want tied to my Bradley Beal deal, I guess is the best way to put that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think I just, I would have between these three deals that the wizards did, I just, I'm not impressed with the overall asset haul. And again, they were in a really bad position with these guys. Mm-hmm. I get it. I, to not get a single for sure first round pick out of this, out of those three trades, like is really, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like that's, that seems like a low haul. I think yeah. I would have. I think in my mind, I would be telling the Warriors, dude, it costs the first round pick to get off of Jordan Poole. So we're if you also want to take in CP instead of us just cutting him and and saving fifteen million dollars or whatever it is, um, and he goes and signs wherever, you know, if you want him, like we need assets for that, and also we need a first round pick to take mm-hmm. Jordan Poole. I agree. Like, I think I would have said mm-hmm. I would feel. Not that I even like this draft was not great and we're going to talk a whole bunch about it, but like 
I would feel even a little bit better if they had come out of this with the 19th, with the pick that the Warriors used last night. Just like, we, yeah, we got to get something else, man. We got to get mm-hmm. something else out of this. Because I, I think you're right. They need to, t- they, they want to tank. They need to tank. They should tank. They should have done it last year. Not doing it in, in the Wimby year is. It's a choice. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> that surely was a choice. But, um, so I think that it shows growth on this on in the on the part of like this this group and um, well for now let's let's wait and see what they do with Kuzma because if they if they yeah. offer Kuzma a massive deal then we can, then this goes right back down the crapper in my opinion yeah. so yeah but I just don't I just I, I I feel like we should they should have come out with with something more than what they ended up and I God the idea of having to watch uh, Jordan Poole like lead my team every night is I just that's yeah. That's about as bleak as it gets. Good to thing me, we're so. not in Washington. <laughs> uh, the last one, and then we'll get to the draft, is so the Bradley Bill thing was is he wanted it out, but he had a no trade clause. So that gave that was a, la- a lack of uh, trade bartering they could necessarily do. KP was the same situation in, in a different way of he had a player option and he could opt out. And they basically said, hey, we'll help you get where you want to go if you do a sign and trade. So it started out as a three-team deal between the Clippers and the... I forget who the third team was now at this point. Um, maybe it was just two-team deal. Anyway, the... Uh, Wizards, Celtics, Clippers. There you go. Clippers Stupid. Okay. Um, and it was going to be basically KP to the Celtics, Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers, and then a bunch of pieces back to the Wizards. Um, and that fell through because Malcolm Brogdon, as it's known to be, failed, had a pretty miserable med- medical. And so that trade fell through. And then about two hours later, so Brad, here's your trigger warning. Um, about two hours later, the trade went through, this time with the Grizzlies. And what ended up happening is the Wizards got Tyus Jones from the Grizzlies, uh, Danilo Gallinari from the Celtics, Mike Muscala in a, in a second round pick from last night's draft. They, they sent out the Celtics sent out Marcus smart to the Grizzlies and they received KP and then two, two first round picks, which one of them ended up in, into the middle of the second round last night. So, um, it was weird because, that was a much bigger deal to lose Marcus Smart, in my opinion, than Malcolm Brogdon, who barely paid, played for you. But they also mm-hmm. pulled in two first-round picks that one of them should, I would think, should portray next year. One of them they traded out of this year. So interesting deal. I think KP on paper is a great fit for the Celtics. I think Tyus Jones is a is an underrated guard who could do some maybe decent things for a team that doesn't matter. Um but once again, the Wizards traded their second best asset for essentially nothing. So what are your thoughts about this for all the parties involved? Again, it's just, I get that they kind of were up against it because KP could have just opted out and and gone. Um, Tyus, I, so Tyus Jones is an interesting case of, uh, he's a very good basketball player. I think that his quality has been overrated a little bit. Over he needs to be on a contender think, to be effective. Well, I mean, it's just like Hey Hey said this in the Discord, and I agree that he's kind of we've kind of overrated him. I just think that there's a reason why he's a backup, not a starter. Sure. I I I'm I'm fine with saying Hey, we're gonna take a shot with him as our starter for for this like weird season when we're not really trying to win basketball games. But I would also assume that. 
like everyone in the league knows that Tyus Jones is available for a decent price too. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's just because you're right. Like he needs to be, he needs to be on a contender for his like a change value of pace guard. Be, yeah, as as use as high as it can be. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's great to have a a really great backup. And I think his contract is fine for what he for what he mm-hmm. is and what his role is. But I think that if you try to make him your everyday starter, you're going to find out real quick why why he was mm-hmm. the backup. Um, and then also, like now they they have Jordan Poole, Tyus Jones, Monte Morris, and uh, and Wright. Um, you can, pro- I mean, you could get away with some of that. It just feels like kind of wasted. So I expect Monte Morris is going to go pretty quickly here. If not Tyus Jones, maybe they flip Tyus Jones pretty, pretty quickly. Um, I would think that there's a decent market for a guy like Monty Morris. Mm-hmm. I, I think I heard one pod that was like, yeah, how about the Spurs immediately? Cause they need a point guard. I'm like, yeah, that'd be fine. Uh, I don't know. There might be even the Celtics maybe could use Monty. Anyway, regardless, I'm not going to get into speculation on it. I, they have a terrible roster. It doesn't matter. They're going to try to win as few games as they can. It's all good. Um, so bringing in Tyus Jones is fine, but like, again, kind of think you probably should have come away with a first round pick if you're trading Porzingis. Finally, having a season where he's like his value is as high as it's gonna. Yeah, ever or get why didn't you just so. ask for Marcus Smart and not involve the Grizzlies? Like, <laughs> you know, like that's that kind of it would have been my play in that situation. Not that he's necessarily gonna be a big help. Yeah, I, I don't. This is a weird trade, which probably means that it's like either. (laughs) I don't know if it's bad for all three teams or just good enough for all three teams. I don't know. I've seen I've seen people and heard people all over the place on on all parts of this KP. So one of the problems with the Celtics is is their positional versatility was just not there. They just they have a, a glut of guards. They have Tatum and Brown. Um, Horford had a great season last year, but he's a thousand years old, you know? Um, so bringing in Porzingis, uh, that gives you something to, to change up and have a little versatility on offense with they, which they desperately, they desperately needed. So I get that. I think that that's fine. Um, hope you enjoy the roller coaster. Yeah. He, has, he played 65 games last year. That's great. Um, contract year contract year also i i have genuinely we've talked about porzingis a thousand times here i have no ill will towards as a Mavs fan um i think anybody who's who is listening for the first time maybe will feel like well you're a Mavs fan you're gonna hate i don't hate kp i think the general consensus amongst most Mavs fans is like i like the guy actually like i wish that it had worked that's the thing is i wish that it would have worked we're frustrated but we don't hate the guy yeah by all accounts, a decent guy. Didn't leave on bad terms necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's all good. It's just the two things are he is always injured. I know he played sixty five games last year. Um the experience here is that it was a perpetual every single day you're not gonna know if this guy's gonna play or not. And Anytime he falls down, you're gonna be like, "Oh crap!" And that started out this way this year with the with the Wizards too. Like, that that wasn't like he just played 65 saw games without question. Like, there were some stretches where it was like, "Oh, he woke up woke up and his back hurts," and it was that was it. I've I've made a case before uh, about how 
as scary as it can be when somebody has like a major injury or even like just a high ankle sprain. Because a high ankle sprain can keep you out for five or six weeks. And that sucks because you're just like, it's just an ankle, but you just can't do anything with it. Um, that it is way more frustrating to have a player, especially a, one of your top-level players, who is plays five games, misses two games, plays six games, misses a game, plays four games, misses seven games, whatever, than it is to just be like, oh, man, he got injured, so he missed two months in the mm-hmm. middle of the season or something. It's really frustrating to constantly not know if one of your top three players is going to be in the game or not. And that's the deal that you're going to be on with Porzingis. The other thing is, and I, I'm not even, um, I don't have, obviously I don't have sources. I'm not saying this is the definitive. I get the vibe from KP that he really liked last season where the Warriors, or excuse me, the Wizards were bad, but he got to shoot the ball mm-hmm. a lot, a lot more than he liked playing for the Mavs or would have enjoyed playing pretty much anywhere else where they won more games, but he didn't get to shoot the ball as much. I think that he gets, and I don't look, I mean, it's way more fun to shoot the ball than not shoot the ball. I, you know, and playing with Luka is not for everybody. So it's not even that it's just, the vibe I always get from him is that he is content to lose games. It's not that he doesn't want to win. It's not that he's not competitive. It's not on any of these things. He, all those things, he, he is competitive. He fights. He's, he tries hard. Like All this stuff is true. I just think he would really like to be the number one or number two at most, at least, option on a team, and he gets kind of disinterested when he's not mm-hmm. getting the shots that he feels like he needs. He's not going to get the shots when he's playing with – Tatum and and Jalen Brown and some of these others. And then also the Celtics were one of the major knocks on them last season and has been for the last five years is that like, especially in the last six or eight minutes of the game, they fool around because they don't have anybody who directs traffic and just puts guys in and says, no, you're doing this. The best passer on their team was Marcus Smart. And by by a wide margin too. It was by a wide margin. And by the way, that's not great when he's your best passer, but the the closest thing they had to all right let's move the ball let's get this going was Marcus Smart he's gone now you're bringing in another guy who does a whole lot of jab steps and and posts at the <laughs> elbow and stuff and so just had some PTSD for a second so. I mean I like somebody I saw on Twitter was like the cool thing about and there I think it was I think it was Matt Moore uh, was like you know you can run some basic option or, or excuse me some basic offensive stats with KP that the that the Celtics have not run at all. Like, they don't run enough pick and roll. They don't run enough. Like, hey, about, how about a post-touch here just to, like, have a different look? So you can do that now with KP, but you also are going to get a whole... You already have an offense that stagnates, and you just brought, it, you brought in a guy who really kind of digs stagnating the offense. So mm-hmm. I'm not... I'm not saying it's a bad move. I, I'm. They were really smart to get the two picks in addition to to get the best player in the trade and then also get the two picks is yeah, pretty that's fascinating. Great. Yeah. So, but then they immediately kind of did nothing with the first part of that. Like the trades last night to basically get out of the draft. They ended up with a guy that I actually really like. For Apparently, them. we were the f- reason for that. Apparently, it was our fault. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, I just, I did not think that that was great asset usage um, with that pick. But regardless, they got two first round picks and the best player in the trade, so it's cool. 
their identity is different today than it was yesterday. And that's probably a good thing, but it, it's a risky thing at the same time, especially given, I mean, I would love to see some odds on Porzingis playing, uh, over 50 games, under 50 games. Yeah. That's, that's part of it. And then the smart thing is, what did you think about the smart part of it to the Grizzlies? That's the most interesting part of this. I just don't understand why, why you, I mean, I guess because it's all you really had asset wise, but like why you pivoted from Brogdon straight to smart, but it has to be because that's the only other thing that people are interested in. And that's probably what garnered the extra first round picks too. Um, I do think that they're sorry to be clear. I mean, what do you think about smart with Memphis? Oh, I think he's, I think he's a good fit. Um, I mean, he kind of matches their, their mentality, which is good and bad. Um, I think he's a, like the way I, I, I said it to our friend, who's not a huge basketball guy. I just said, he kind of gives you the Dylan Brooks mentality without being a complete psycho, even though he's not exactly sane mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's definitely good jaw insurance while jaw is suspended and possibly doing other stupid things. Um, I think, I mean, I, I mean like it's, it's better if you, if you don't bring back Dylan Brooks and this is your Dylan Brooks replacement, I think it's a great move. I mean, I, I think defensively like Dylan Brooks is a little bit different defensively, obviously, but I, I've always liked Marcus smart. I, I think you're definitely lower on him than I am, but I, mm-hmm. I um, if there was a, the, he, that's one of the few teams I think that he fits pretty well with, I think. And especially given the, the trauma they're going to start the year with, which, which not having their star point guard. So, I mean, you upgraded from Tyus Jones because otherwise you were starting Tyus Jones for the first part of the year. So now they didn't do anything else to help themselves so far. Well, so I, I like smart, better fitting. How do I, Having Tyus Jones, knowing that you pretty much can't ever play Tyus Jones with Ja Morant at the same time, um, makes his backup viability kind of That's a lesser true. deal. So I get, I get with Smart, like you can at least play him and Morant at the same time. They have no, they still, they. I don't know, man. I, I kind of think we're gonna look back at the Grizzlies, the Morant. JJJ era. Maybe I'm going to completely eat crow on this, but I think we're going to look back at this this grit and grind 2.0 era of the Grizzlies and feel like they they really wasted oh I and their opportunities and blew it because yeah I totally agree. I don't think this is necessarily going to push them past this you know hump that they've created for themselves. Yeah. But I, do, I again I, I just think if you're looking at it as black and white as if they were to bring back the same team next year. You're replacing Dylan Brooks with Marcus Smart. To me, that's a net positive. It just, it, but it doesn't mean they're going to be any better. I just think it's mm-hmm. a net positive to not bring back, you know, Dylan Brooks and bring in Marcus Smart. It's just interesting because I felt like Dylan Brooks was a was a major weak part of of this thing last year and the year before. Mm-hmm. I think that his I've said many times his defense is so overrated um, and is usually negated by what he does offensively and his complete inability to keep control of himself. Um, so like, even when he's having a great game defensively, you're usually going to counter that with 
five shots that are the worst shots you've seen all season and constantly be worrying that he's about to get himself ejected yeah. and stuff. And and that doesn't even account for the the many times where he talks crap and gets obliterated by the person that he's guarding. And so, yes, it's an upgrade to go from Dylan Brooks to Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart also wasn't very good defensively last year. Like, yeah. he took a major nosedive after winning Defensive Player of the Year the year before. Um, also has terrible shot selection. Also, last year shot 33% from three, is a 32% shooter f- from three for his career. Has one time in his career shot over 35% from three. So it doesn't help you at all on that front, which was a major issue in the playoffs mm-hmm. again this year. The spacing for this team is horrific. Um, and then the flip side is like, yes, he can play with Morant way better than, than Tyus Jones does. And I know that part of Smart's whole deal is that he, he guards up and plays bigger and all these things. Can you get away with playing teeny tiny John Morant next to negative wingspan, teeny tiny Desmond Bain next to six foot three Marcus Smart? No, I think, I think Desmond, I don't know that you can. So I think that's the one negative about this trade is I think it pushes Desmond Bain to the bench more than it does have him in the lining well, up lineup. And, and and then the last thing I'll say on this, it's like it's I have criticized the Grizzlies a little bit in the past for being too cautious and holding on to their assets too too long. I felt like they should have done something last year, and we wondered if not making a bigger move at some point was like a hint that they kind of knew that this team doesn't have it. But for Zach Kleiman to come out after after the draft last night, and I like it's not like GM's gonna come out and say, We have all these other things lined up. You know, I get it. Like I know that you, you can't but they it's weird to me that they put two picks on the table for Marcus Smart. Like that's just not the move that I Mm-mm. feel like is gonna do it for him. I would rather have Tyus Jones and OG and an OB than to just have Marcus Smart. Yeah, I mean that's true. Cause like they, they definitely could have had OG last year. It's just a weird it, and then he I mean Kleiman came out after after the draft and was like, yeah basically said we're not making any other big moves and Steven Adams will be back so we'll be good on that front. I just I just don't love I don't love the roster construction and I don't love the way that they have held on to everything. If they think that they're actually a contending team then at some point you have to cash in the chips and to sort of cash in the chips here is 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 weird to me. I just mm-hmm. I don't get. It. Maybe it's an incomplete. Maybe we'll see. They they will do something different between now and the trade deadline. I don't know. I just I'm a little underwhelmed. Which I'm happy as a Mavs fan. I'm yeah. happy about that. That's well, great. it's just at best but, they're static. I mean, at best. Yeah. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's talk about the draft. Um, we're not going to go pick by pick. We're going to kind of look at team by team. But there's there's a. There's a bunch of teams that we're not even going to yeah, talk about. Yeah, why, like, no why don't we just go team by team? I'll just kind of read out sure. who they got in the first round and if there's any second rounders of notice or of, of mention. Yeah, let, let me say, too, by the way, I love second round picks. Like, I, that's usually kind of where I want to – I like that. I like to, to fake scout, you know, and pick out guys. I, this was a terrible second round. So there was very few guys. I'm like, yeah, that was a that was a. There's a lot of there. names, just, but it was, they were names for bad reasons or health reasons and stuff. So Sure. Um, Save the Mavs for last. Yeah. We'll do Mavs time at the end of this. Okay, so the Hawks, their first round pick was Kobe Bufkin at number 15. They had a lot of talk about they were possibly trying to trade up, trade out, 
get rid of pieces. And just as the Hawks do, they didn't do anything with trade stuff, and they drafted a guard <laughs> for their already busy backcourt. Hawks, I give it a not great grade. What about you? That's all I have to say. Yeah, this was not my favorite. I I mean, you guys got to take what you get. Yeah, this yeah. Was, it was a tough spot. Like, Kobe Bufkin's fine. I just... The continuation of where we're going to trade everybody, but actually we're not going to trade anybody is kind of annoying. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a major incomplete <laughs> until we see what yep. happens. Something I feel like something's got to got to change between whether you whether you trade Trey or you revert back to and, and move Murray for other pieces or whatever. It sounded like they were trying to trade Collins again. I, just, I think buyers. at this point that's just like a. A joke, like uh, like oh, it's Collins' yeah. time, and it's like no, yeah. it's not. So, yeah. yeah, they just they have a lot of nice pieces, but it doesn't really fit together, and they're paying a pretty decent chunk of money to a roster that kind of is going to cap out as sort of a playing team. Yeah, I just I don't know. There's lots. Of, obviously, there's lots to go, but I don't know. I thought we were going to get something from the Hawks last. I night, really did too. And just didn't happen. Okay, the Celtics, as we mentioned before. They did not have a first round pick, and then they ended up with one before the night, night before, and then just proceeded to trade it back three times in the second round. So they didn't do anything but trade. Basically, uh, they did end up drafting Jordan Walsh number thirty eight. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot to say for there. Just interesting that they decided to steal the twenty fifth pick from the Grizzlies and then not actually use the twenty fifth pick. So I genuine generally hate trading a first round pick for multiple second round picks. It doesn't make any sense to me unless you're like going the 29 from 25 pick. to 31 like, and 36 <laughs> or whatever, I guess. And then they went ahead and traded 31 too. So it's like, well, I hate that kind of stuff. That's, that's not my, I do like Jordan Walsh though. I think, I think that's a good, that's somebody that I vaguely was hoping the Mavs would jump up into the second round to get. And then also we know that they, I, apparently they wanted the guy, the Mavs drafted. Owen. Yeah. Yeah. So he went at 24 and then they, they immediately dealt 25. So, um, but not a good return on trading a first round. Pick. Yeah. Uh, the nets, they had 21 and 22 in this draft. They started out with Noah Clowney and Derek Whitehead was their second pick. Uh, I think Clowney was a great pickup, especially that late. I don't know a whole lot about Derek Whitehead, but it seems to be people like that pick as well. I thought they were going to go with the uh, guard from Arkansas there, but um, pretty, pretty decent pickups. I think for being at 21 and 22, what were your thoughts about that? Yeah. I like Clowney. I think him and Claxton weigh a combined 200 pounds, at the center position there. So I don't know how that is going to totally work out. Whitehead's a good value because uh, he had a terrible injury riddled season at Duke. He was a super high rated prospect, but he's also had two, I think two major foot surgeries since his senior year. So Mm. that's not great. That's not great when you're talking about a 19 year old, 20 year old kid, but, but the upside on him is really high. And so sometimes I think in the, the back half of the first, you should just take high upside guys and just kind of see what happens. Um, also think that he might have some value. I think that Whitehead has more value in a potential Lillard trade mm. than than anybody else that you're going to get at that point. Okay. So. 
All right. The first team that's probably the team of discussion is the Charlotte Hornets. They had the number two pick and the number 27 pick and the number they ended up with the number 31 and 41 too. But the big talk was that they decided to go with Brandon Miller at two. It does not seem from a fan perspective that that was received very well. Even the mascot hated it. If you haven't seen that video, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Um, Listen, we can talk about basketball stuff all day. I have a pretty hot opinion about this is that this guy, I don't want to like assume guilt because he was not charged. He was found, you know, not to be part of the situation with his former teammate who committed murder with Brandon Miller's gun at the very, very minimum. It's problematic to me that you are just handing out your gun to people. I think that's a horrible decision making like i mean like if you were a gun owner brian and i said hey can i just have your gun for a little bit like (laughs) like that would be stupid of you to say even knowing me and knowing who i am like that's not a smart play in any respect so that's not great but also he apparently did not interview well at all and said a lot of things to the actual press that just like man what is up with this guy's brain he doesn't seem to be thinking about what he's saying And then they took him at number two over a player who I think a lot of people said would be the number one pick if it wasn't for Wimby being in the draft. Um, I hate this pick personally. I I think he's definitely talented, obviously. Um, I just I I don't understand if you are if you are about to change ownership and you have a player who's oft injured and a little bit of a of a wild card in in his stuff as well. And you're already dealing with the PR mess that is Miles Bridges. Why would you bring this back into your you into your locker room? I hated it. I think Scoot is going to make them regret this if I'm being honest. But what were your thoughts about it? Yeah, I'm I'm not in on this at all. I I uh, I don't think I see. I think a lot of people who really are into the draft and and I I don't remember if I said this at the top. Like usually I do a lot of draft prep as much as I can, given that this is my. Um, hobby, not not job, or it's my fifth job. Um, I think passion's the way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't do nearly as much this year as I normally do, just for whatever, but for time constraints and such. But I think a lot of draft people. I did not see very many draft people who had Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson. Although KOC did, so I feel like that's a, that's a knock yes, on Brandon Miller, if I'm being honest. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of people that had Miller over over Henderson, but I but most people generally had Henderson and Miller two three and and there was a kind of a consensus. I felt like that this was this was a three player draft, and then it got interesting after that. I didn't really even necessarily see it that way. I felt like Brandon Miller is in a lower tier as a prospect than Scoot Henderson is. I don't really love his game, if I'm being honest. Um, it's real smooth and kind of reeks of that boy nice, um, which is not not really my jam. Uh, I thought it was kind of... I mean, we all had a nice laugh at him saying that his goat is, is Paul George, which is sort of the poster child for that boy. Nice. Um, and I can't, (laughs) so I don't know. I I mean, that's the thing is even if you take the (laughs) idiocy of his comments and you take the, the sketchy things with his, um, legal situation out of the equation, I still don't understand on paper and on highlights 
like I don't think it was the right basketball move either. I, I like I'm kind of yeah. with you. Like I do think he's a clear cut third pick. I think that that's I think that there is a very clear case that he should be top three. It just I think Scoot is going to be so much more ready to step into this spot. Now, I mean, I like it's just somebody tweeted. I can't remember. If I, I don't remember who it was. Someone tweeted last night that, you know, bad teams draft for fit. Good teams draft, mm-hmm. you know, for yeah. best available. And essentially what happens, they, they drafted for fit because of this point guard who has glass ankles that they think is that can't <laughs> that he can't play with him and i just i don't understand yeah. that i've never understood that at all the only time i think that that even remotely could be argued is if it's like the sixers drafting a center every year for five years and so and even even yeah. then like that's right. still like I, you can't fault teams for drafting for talent and so right. um not great. Yeah. I think I think this is going to be one of those ones we look back and are like, oof. Like he might be just fine and he might be good and that that's well, I don't know. But I, I would I would. There's a couple of things there. I you can talk to me about fit at the five and at the one. I don't want to hear it at two, three, four. Yeah, that's basically. fair. Um, in this league, we you need multiple ball handlers. Uh, but I do understand the concept of if our backcourt is a six foot two point guard, Scoot Henderson, and a six foot seven point guard and Lamella Ball, who is a freaking turnstile on defense, then we're gonna we're gonna get destroyed in a playoff series or whatever. You can you can sort of sell me on that. My my counter to it would be you don't even need to worry about the playoffs because you are a terrible basketball team. So. You there are there's five steps between you and we got to worry about actually winning a playoff series. So I'm not nervous about that. Number two on that is then just trade Lamelo. To be honest, like yeah. I I this is kind of, I said two days ago in the Discord that like if if I was in charge of Charlotte, especially with the new ownership coming in, my deal would be like all right, we have screwed up our rebuild for a friggin' decade. And today is when we start doing it right, and we're gonna we're gonna tear this thing down and and kind of tear it down to the studs and start over. If Scoot Henderson is the better prospect, then we're taking Scoot Henderson, no matter what. I think that the floor is definitely. I'm gonna try to avoid floor ceiling as much as I can in this draft, but in this in this particular instance between these two, um, and I know it's not alphabetical, but let's just talk Portland after after uh, Charlotte here. So, I don't, since I don't, this, I don't is, like that. this is right here. I don't here. like it. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Um, <laughs> uh, call them Cortland. In that way, it's sort of alphabetical. Um, Chicago and Cleveland are still first. If we do that. We're not talking about <laughs> Chicago. They did nothing, and Cleveland drafted Imani Bates. So, I, that only thing I want to say there is I want to I want to make fun of KOC. Um, anyway, the the <laughs> the if the floor on Miller is definitely higher. Than it is on Henderson. Yeah, the ceiling on Henderson is so much higher, in my opinion. I, I think that's kind of where I come down. Is if you can, can if you can, for sure, if you can look into the future and for sure tell me that there's not going to be any work ethic issues and there's not going to be any off the court issues and there's there's going to be a maturity that comes in with Brandon Miller over the next couple of seasons. Okay. I think that I would then kind of say he's not a three and he's not, he's not just quote unquote a three and D guy. He's better than that. But I think that he's a little bit closer to that than what 
the big Brandon Miller believers think that he is. Like, I don't see him as much of a initiator in the NBA as he's being projected by Mm -hmm. the big Miller fans. And some of his game just really leaves me wanting. And that's totally fine. Like, he's going to be a very good basketball player if you can assume those things that I just mentioned. I just... I think that the chances are that Scoot Scoot has way more number one guy potential to me than than Miller does, or like number two guy than Miller does, and I I th- I would have just gone that route regardless of of <clears throat> positional fit, which is essentially what Portland did with yeah. with taking Scoot Henderson. Yeah, so Portland, let's we'll go ahead and ruin my OCD and go straight to them. So <laughs> Portland drafted Scoot Henderson, and once again, like. This is exactly what I, I don't necessarily if I would jump and call them a good team because they definitely have done some questionable things over the years. But you have this player who you shouldn't, if we were being honest, you shouldn't have at three. Like that's just not the, that should not have been the case. Who right. kind of falls in line with what you already have with Damian Lillard, but they just took him. And I mean, I, like the best part about this, if you're Portland, is it gives you options. Like either you have him come in and learn under Dame and try to see what works, and then you maybe trade Dame later if it doesn't work, or you you trade Dame now, or maybe you have a you know a backcourt duo that plays together well for two or three years, and then next thing, and then Scoot takes the reins from there. I mean, it just it, there really is not mm-hmm. a. I mean, short of Scoot just being a huge bust, there's really not a lose in this situation. I don't think, and so. Um, mm-hmm. great on them. Like I think it's great. Like t- drafting him at three, getting the getting the second best player in the draft, and a player who, by all accounts, I think will be able to step in day one and be effective. And so uh, they also sure. drafted Chris Murray at twenty three, which I think is a pretty good value. Hey, thanks for that. Yeah, you guys helped us out. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a decent value at twenty three. Um, yeah, I mean they did exact the exact opposite of what Charlotte did, which means that they did the right thing. I think so. Yeah, you could say that they that they did the opposite of Charlotte because they didn't have a choice. Sure. There's a major gap between nobody I saw had uh, Amin Thompson ahead of of uh, Scoot or Brandon Miller. Um, some people had Cam Whitmore ahead of Brandon Oof. Miller, just for what it's worth. We're talking about that in just a second. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, this was the right. This is just the right call. This is the right call. Make this trade. Make this pick. Get the guy that may have been the first pick in the draft in a normal year, regardless of the fit, because it it doesn't matter. And you're just going to have to figure out the Dame Lillard thing now. Uh, and whether that gets done, like, right now, or it gets done at the trade. Of course, he's got a... Can I just... I know, I know, man. I'm done with can it. We, can we stop down for a second? I, I, I don't care. I don't, I don't want any more non-update updates on Dame Lillard that get fed to Chris Haynes. I don't care. No one cares about this anymore. Stop. Stop doing this. Either get either get out, get in or get out. I don't care. But the, eh, you know, I still want to make this work. It, it's becoming performative. I respect the concept of I'm going to stay in one place. I want to win in the place that, start, that I started with. All these sorts of things. This is great. If you want to do it, then let's do it. You do not need to update us three times a week on whether or not you are still in. You're either in or you're out. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. I just, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I I expect that the Trailblazers will will trade him now at this point. Um, because I don't think that this is tenable. No. To have him 
to have tiny Scoot Henderson and tiny Dame Lillard and then also tiny Anthony Simons and expect things to be any different than at best being a play-in team. So, well, hey, we um, we kind of saw this more. with Dame and CJ in the early days. So, like, we've you've played yeah. this game. Yeah, before, when they when so. when when they were young, yeah. when when Dame was still young, <laughs> yeah. not thirty exactly. With hard miles on him. So, I expect Miami and Brooklyn, especially. It's kind of hard to find a, a good fit for. I think Dame, the Knicks are going to be in it too. They can't pair him with Jalen Brunson, no, man. Like they, that doesn't work. Doesn't mean that they won't try though. <laughs> so, okay, we'll see, we'll see. But I ex- I expect the Lillard trade at this point. This was the right move for Portland. They should get a haul for for Lillard, and it's time and, to do you a know, rebuild. Do your and, nice, and do your nice on. post about him, and 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 he's yes. done so many great yes. things for you, and it's okay. Like start working on the the video for when when the Knicks, I guess, come <laughs> visit Portland. You know, yeah, and uh, yeah. But this is this was the right call. If they would, it would be malpractice if they had not drafted Scoot Henderson yeah. here. I think. I think the only other thing they could have done is trade out trade out of it. But I, I think that even would have been yeah. bad. It sounds like there just weren't trades available for them, and I, I think part of that is just like like there was a lot of Portland Boston talk, like Jalen Brown for three and the variations of that kind of trade. But like Boston's not doing that because Scoot Henderson. You take a major step back if you bring mm-hmm. in. Scoot for Jalen into into Jalen Brown's place, so he's not going to do that. And if if the the trade is going to be for other young players, then why you know coming back to Portland, then why wouldn't you just keep just draft Scoot Henderson? You know, yeah. So I just weren't there weren't good trade options. I don't think yeah. for that that pick. Okay, Chicago no first round draft picks because of Vucevic. Cavaliers no Lonzo Ball is going to miss all next season yeah. though. So there's Cavaliers that. for no, for no first round picks because Donovan Mitchell they did get Imani Bates the former uh, Memphis star kind of. <laughs> I I just want to say <laughs> it wasn't just KOC. But KOC like went to the mats and said that Imani Bates would have been the first pick of the draft at sixteen. Yeah, and now he's finally in the draft and he goes forty nine. So let's just yeah. Just take that into consideration whenever you're looking at draft yeah. coverage. That's all. That's all I'm saying. The Nuggets, we'll skip the Mavs. The Nuggets drafted Julian Strother at 29 and then had a couple of decent picks at 32 and 37 and Jalen Pickett and Hunter Tyson. Uh, those are great role player deals for a, a team that isn't going to be able to afford to bring anybody in. So they, they, we were talking about how they were they were learning the new cap and stuff and they, are, they did a great mm-hmm. job of mm-hmm. positioning so, themselves to be basically on a bunch of role player rookie deals. So I think that was a good move. Um, any quick thoughts about that? I think Calvin Booth has entered Miami Heat territory where it's like it, I wasn't a big uh, Julian Strother guy, but if if the Nuggets are drafting them, then I'm just going to say, oh, they must be right. They must yeah. know something that I don't. They must see something I don't. I really like Jalen Pickett. He's he's undersized for the role that he plays, but I liked him a lot at Penn mm-hmm. State too. So, and I love. I really genuinely I love that a not just a contending team, but literally like the defending champions. Mm-hmm are a team that values the draft and the, the little moves they made to get more picks over the next couple of years and expand the window and just understanding of like, we don't need stars. We need yeah. guys who are going to play a role here on this team and fill the gaps that we're for like, they're going to lose Bruce Brown. Well, hopefully Christian Brown can step in and take at least some of that away. There, know, it was a solid veteran front office stuff. move. Like it, it, you, yeah, could, totally. you could see that they, yeah they're learning from predecessors and, and they're not going to yeah. just have a t- title and then eventually just flame out. So, 
Absolutely. It's a model for an office yeah. right now. And that's so I dug this. Uh, let's see. The Pistons at five took the second of the Thompson twins. And then they took Marcus Sasser, our beloved uh, Texas Tech kind of player <laughs> uh, from Houston at 25. Uh, with the weight with the Kim Whitmore news, this makes a whole lot more sense in the like now in the moment. I didn't love mm. it. But now I'm like, OK, if, if Whitmore was sliding and for good reasons, it seems then that kind of makes yeah. more sense. Um, what are your thoughts about the Thompson twin and Marcus Sasser? I just like, I like the core that Detroit has assembled for making a run at, at playing mm-hmm. stuff this year. Yeah. Uh, they don't have, they don't have enough shooting. Like Cade, Cade Ivy Thompson is not a great one, two, three, as far as the, the spacing goes, but um, you got three real, you got three ball handlers, to some extent, Thompson's not nearly as good of, as his brother, but still, I like what they can do with that. I like Jalen Duran. I like, I mean, I'm a big fan of Bogdanovich. I assume that that he probably gets moved this time, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think they're in a decent position to have a. Assuming Kate is healthy, I think they have a chance at being a, a decent play-in team this year, and that'll be fun. Yeah. Then we went to the Warriors at 19. They drafted Brandon Podziemski from Santa Clara. Um, Podfather. I think given what we saw from Jalen Williams this last year, this is probably a decent move. He's a, he's definitely a shooter. Sure. Um, it's a, it's a low risk move for obviously at 19. The thing I will uh-huh. say about this is the one second round pick I'm probably gonna talk about is the amount of NBA Twitter, oh Twitter God. scouts I saw last oh night about yeah. trace Jackson Davis makes me want him to fail miserably. And I'm so sorry, <laughs> trace. I did. This has nothing to do with you, trace. I am so sorry, but man, everyone last night was like, then this guy might've been a first rounder. Look what the warriors doing. And I'm like, Oh no, like he's the 57th pick. Shut up. Like I just could not believe how many, how much I was seeing. So I give the warriors a pretty high grade, but that it's not even their fault. But I, I, I was so annoyed by that last night. So <laughs> Any thoughts about Podfather? I don't, I know very little about him. I, on the, it's like, (laughs) on the high end, there's your Clay Thompson replacement somewhere down the line. Uh, On the low end, just because Jalen Williams went to Santa Clara and was awesome does not mean that everybody coming out of Santa Clara is awesome. Um, I'm not saying that about you. I'm saying like that was, Everybody was there talking was a about lot it, yeah. of NBA Twitter discourse last night that was like, "Oh, Jalen Williams." I'm like, I don't know if these guys are similar like at all. I to think be the, the mindset so. was the shooting coach there knows what he's doing, but sure. I'm like, yeah, but he also yeah. just maybe can shoot. So it's just right, yeah, right. So we'll see. Yeah, Trace Jackson or uh, yeah, uh, uh, Trace Jackson Davis. That's I was like, yeah, that's a fine pickup. Um, I did not realize that KOC had moved him into a first round slot. Uh, oh, I didn't either. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I just that makes it I even mean, worse. I, I feel like I'm dogging on KOC. There was yeah, a, he's kind of. Sh- there was a few people who had him. I'm looking. Let me look and see where he's at on Vicini's because Vicini, Vicini's pretty legit. Uh, I don't see him in the first round. Oh, he had him at 39. So like, yeah, like value at 57. He's 23 years old. He took zero three pointers last year. <laughs> He physically dominated the big t- the Big Ten. Um, he's a six foot nine center, so I don't know that you're going to physically dominate people the way that I don't know. People have been obsessed with this kid for for like five years because he was a House of Highlights kind of kid in high school. Um, 
It's fine. Like I think that's like, that's fine value at fifty seven. But you're totally right. I was I was not prepared for the number of pieces that we were gonna get on Trace Jackson Davis being the steal of the draft. Yeah. Unreal. It just kind of reminds me of Jordan Bell, if I'm being honest. Yep. So, anyway. Uh the Rockets at four took Amen Thompson. Amen, Amen Thompson. Amen, I think. Amen. And Cam Whitmore, who slid to them at twenty. Uh, that's probably the biggest story about this. I think that they probably did the right thing at four. Um, I don't love either one of the Thompson brothers, but again, sure. I think you could have, if they would have took Cam Whitmore before we know we knew what we knew at four, a lot of us would be like, Oh, that's a good pick. And so, uh, the fact that they got two guys that theoretically could have been in that spot, I think is a, is a pretty good win for them. It does not matter because of who they, who they are probably about to bring there, but, um, maybe, I don't know. We'll see, but any thoughts about the Rockets in their draft? I'm with you. I'm not a huge Thompson's fan. I like neither one of them can shoot like at all at all. Um, and that that league that they played in is garbage. So yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to take. It's hard to take that. Se- I don't know how to scout those things. I said before, like I don't really know how to to scout AAU and overtime elite was basically that. The highlights they were showing last night, I said. It looked like it was being played inside of Fieldhouse USA. It just was so, it's so, I don't know. So I don't know how to put that in. I, the flip side of that, these guys are super professional. They're locked in. Um, they have great measurables. Uh, and, yeah, there's real, obviously there's real skills there. I just think they both are going to kind of turn out to be more of like Swiss Army Knife kind of sure. players than anything else and that's totally yeah. fine i'm not knocking that in the slightest um i just you know i think that there was a big drop off from cam whitmore was the one that i felt like had a real opportunity to be like the fourth best player in this draft not to say that he will be just skill wise like there was a lot lot there and so then when he starts sliding for all of the reasons um yeah, I think it was. Yeah, fine at twenty, to, it's to a great value. Like, I mean, like you absolutely do that. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, look for for the Rockets. It's 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 there's there's two sides of it. It's number one, they got incredible value with Whitmore. Incredible value with Whitmore. Even if there are knee issues, even if there are attitude issues, intensity issues, it's weird that the like uh, I think I think Cato said on the on the Maz podcast today that that apparently like his coach who I don't even know who the coach at Nova is anymore. Now that Jay writes out. Um, but that apparently the coach did not advocate for him very well. And like, really? So it seems like there's some stuff there, not just the, the medical issues. I mean, to be fair, Cam Whitmore, Cam Whitmore wouldn't have been uh, one of Neptune's guys. It, w- it would have been Jay Wright's guy. So because he can't worry, but who, but he, I mean, Jay Wright didn't coach this year. No, I'm just saying, so like, who, he didn't recruit him. So, like, that's okay. Okay, I got. What so, you're like, saying. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think I, I think that that's a little bit like I, I get it because he did coach him. So obviously he has some, mm-hmm. some say mm-hmm. in it. But it's also like that's not his guy, and it may not be. And, and if Cam Whitmore has attitude issues, then he may not be rushing to defend him. So, um, so yeah, I just I, I'm totally with you. It it's just weird yeah. to see a Villanova guy that had a great college career kind of slide like that without some serious issues that kind of came out on it. Seriously. It feels like, feel like it came out of nowhere too. Like, yes, that's the surprising thing to me is like, we did not like as of Tuesday or Wednesday, there were mocks that had him going, 
as high as four. And then sometime Wednesday, like apparently just everybody who's in the know knew that he was going to slide. Which, by the way, if you're his agent, get him out of the freaking green room. If you know he's going to slide, then get him out yeah, of Yeah, I, there. I, I never not, understand why that's not a thing. Gosh. Oh, yeah. That's terrible representation. Um, I love Cam Whitmore's game. He is a freaking dog. And uh, he wants to, I mean, he just wants to punish you every time he gets the ball. He doesn't do anything off the ball. Uh, like at all, he doesn't pass the ball. I don't, the shooting was pretty, but like he gets, he does two things. He gets the ball and he tries to just, he tries to slam the ball down your throat every single time he gets the ball. And on defense, he tries to make sure that your life is hell. And I like those two things. Um, I'm not going to dis like, I'm not going to spend one point talking about saying how fit doesn't matter when you're a bad team and then diss the rockets for fit. Mm -hmm. Um, there are major fit issues now that they're going to have to figure out because I don't think that Jalen Green, Cam Whitmore, Jabari Smith, Amon Thompson, Kevin Porter Jr. I'm not convinced that Jalen Green's going to be there much longer. If I'm being honest, set, yeah, I mean it's for real. I the, the Mobley, the not picking Mobley, I feel like is going to haunt this franchise for a long time. And I'm not even the biggest Evan Mobley guy. I just think I'm just really low on Jalen Green and. Now seeing how the last couple of, of drafts have gone and who has been available and who they have now, but like I love I like Tar Eason, uh Ty Ty Washington last year. I mean, they have a lot of young guys who are really talented and I don't know how in the world they're gonna figure it out. And I don't know how these guys are gonna can play together. I feel like Amon Thompson and Kevin Porter Jr. will struggle to play together, and I feel like Green and Whitmore will struggle to play mm-hmm. together, and that doesn't even account for all these other guys that are there, and it certainly doesn't account for Harden if it goes that way, although every pod I listen to now seems to suggest that Harden to Houston's not happening. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. But great job of, of getting talent. A-plus on the getting talent. Genuinely, A-plus grade for, the, war, for the, the Rockets as far as all of this goes. There's a lot of stuff they got to figure out yeah. now. And so, yeah. Uh, and and by the way, next year I believe next year their pick is only top four protected. Yeah, so that's tough. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on, the Indiana Pacers took Jarris Walker, who I loved at eight, and Ben Shepard at twenty six, who I don't even know, um, who I didn't know before this draft, and so kind of a both worlds kind of thing. They 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 did a great job getting Jarris Walker. I mean, that, I think that was a great fit, a great pickup. Um, did what they're supposed to. They even trade. Didn't they trade back for that too? I think they did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they traded they seven, seven for eight, picked up a couple so of extras. That was that was a even a savvy move in, in itself. And so, uh, quick thoughts on Jairus Walker. I really like Jairus <laughs> Walker. I really understand the the knocks on him too. Like I don't. He might be a what does he do guy? If at the end of this, sure. He I was very high on him. He was number three on my like Mavs draft board. Um, I like his intensity and just like the energy and everything. I don't know if he knows how to play basketball and I'm not totally sure if that's ever, if that's going to come through at the end of the day. So I'm not knocking it at all. It just, I think that that his, him going a kind of speaks to where this draft is at after the top three guys. It's just mm-hmm. like, You'd feel great about Jairus Walker if you got him with like the 14th or 15th pick. 
and I, I'm not saying the Pacers overdrafted because I just think it, it means that this draft is just not that strong. Like getting a guy like him at, at eight kind of makes you feel like this was this may not be a great draft. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And I thought they super overdrafted Shepard. Yeah, for sure. Back of the first. I didn't love that. I'm going to blow through these next three uh, Clippers drafted Kobe Brown at 30. Doesn't matter. The Lakers drafted a guy who slipped Jalen Hood Shafino uh, to, at 17, which will probably be good value and a good fit uh, for a team that needs some rookie contracts. So, you know, good job for them. It uh, doesn't really matter, though. Grizzlies had no first round picks. Uh, I'm going to skip Miami just to get through these next two. Milwaukee. Hey, real fast. I w- I'm going to send you Jalen Hood, Shafino's scouting report from Bassini. Okay. And I just want you to tell me what he does in the NBA. It's, mm. I don't get, I don't get him. I mean, I don't either. I, don't I just him. think at 17, it doesn't really matter. I mean, like that. They, no, yeah. it's totally, like he was, he, every big board, he was like somewhere between 13 and, and 19 or whatever. That's totally. He's probably going to end up being I a trade chip for them to get more veterans I, there too. So. He does not do anything at an NBA level to me. I actually like their defend. Pick. He defends. I like their pick of Maxwell yeah. Lewis at forty better than I like the. the yeah, so. I like that better than than. Yeah, Phoenix, for sure. Memphis did nothing. Um, they had any first round picks. Miami drafted uh, Jaime Jaquez Jr., who a lot yeah. of people loved that pick. And I think I I don't I didn't watch a ton of UCLA basketball, yeah. but by all accounts, it seems like a good fit. So just once again, that's one of those like he drafted him, so he must be pretty good kind of thing. So good for that. Um, yes. Yeah. He's a, he's a heat guy yeah. for sure. Bucks. And he'll be a Portland trailblazer. Very the Bucks soon, had so. no picks in the first round. Timberwolves had no picks in the first round forever and ever. It seems that for now on, uh, let's move to the Pelicans. They drafted Jordan Hawkins at 14. Um, and that was their only pick of the night. There was a lot of speculation that they were going to be on the move with somebody to last night and then ended up doing nothing. So any quick thoughts on Jordan Hawkins? Um, I think it's fine. I just like, they need shooting. They got to They got, there's like three guys in this entire draft that can shoot. Uh, so they got one of them. That's cool. Um, Willie green's got to figure out how to play some of these guys. Cause it like, um, I don't know, man. I, I like Jordan Hawkins. I think he's going to have a hard time getting on the floor as much as they need shooting. I, I just don't love the position, the positionality they have with some of the guys on that roster. They have too many guys who, like Herb Jones, is a great example. Of like I freaking love Herb Jones. He cannot shoot the ball, but you need him on the floor for his defense. But you need Jordan Hawkins on the floor for his shooting. Mm-hmm. But you can't play them all at the same time. And Trey Murphy kind of gets left out. And he's the guy that can kind of do both. And then you have Brandon Ingram over here. And what do you do when Zion comes back when he plays? And well, the spacing's you know. all jammed up because of Valanciunas. You don't have a real point guard because that's not really what C.J. McCollum is. And I, they are such a strange team that has so much talent. And I'm not, I just don't know how it all works together. And I feel like Hawkins is probably going to get stuck kind of in that, that mix a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, by the way, I liked, I like what Milwaukee did with their two second. They was like, yeah. It was like baby yeah, nugget yeah. stuff, you know, just get a couple of guys who can probably be in the rotation. Yeah. Again, we're not, we're not dissing second round picks. We've just already gone an yeah, hour and a half. Sure. And so <laughs> <laughs> Tobin wants to be done. The with Knicks yeah. did nothing. Cause they have nothing. Uh, the thunder at, t- they were at 12. They traded up to 10, which was our pick for the skeleton of Davis Berton's contract. And they ended up drafting case and Wallace in their already incredibly ba- um, busy backcourt. 
And then at 50, speaking of second round picks, they drafted Keontae Johnson of Florida and TCU. You might remember, not TCU, of Kansas State. You might remember he is the guy who very scarily passed out on the court and then had to be medically cleared to be a play again. So I truly hope that he does, makes team does well because like that's such a great, great comeback story, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Casey Wallace, by all accounts, is a great guard. I, I question the, what, again, Every year, I feel like we say this, just, okay, fine, what's the plan? Because it just seems like they Mm -hmm. keep getting this logjam of young talent and don't really have a plan forward for that on top of these 70 picks they still have to to use as well. I like Casey Wallace for the Thunder on paper because I think what he does, he's going to defend other teams' point guards. He's going to be a great point guard defender i don't know about guarding up against wings and stuff but against other ones he he's legit i think as a defender and i think he'll be a good off ball shooter which they need they need the spacing they need defense at the one so when you put him on the floor with shea and josh giddy um yeah i mean i think that that can work but then you also have Jalen williams you also have lou dort I'm not a train man guy, so I'm not worried about that at all. I'm not a Poku guy, so I'm not worried about that at all. But it, yeah, it's at a certain point. How what 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 five guys are you putting on the floor that works in NBA rotation for more than a few minutes at a time? I, I I'm not knocking this pick at all. No, the like pick's Casey fine. Wallace, it, it's I, just I, I, I think I, yeah, it's just the roster construction, and they just continue. We'll see what happens with the rest of the offseason. I'm not on the one hand, I, I appreciate the patience that they've shown of of not rushing things, not getting themselves into trouble with with like um overdoing their overshooting their timeline and stuff like that. But I'm I'm also I'm starting to lose patience with how patient they are being. I feel like I always feel like there's a little bit with Sam Presti of as long as I keep kicking enough of this this can down the road, then I can stay here forever and that annoys me just just a little bit just a little bit yeah and that's all that's and all I did, well and i good, thought that they kind of got i i will say this i thought that the mavs and i never say this about the mavs i'm gonna say it a couple times tonight which is weird i thought that i thought that nico kind of crushed presty with that trade like to to get off of bertans and only draw back two picks i thought was a just total total a plus move from yeah at the end of the day from, yeah it was great from nico so uh especially when you see what they can do anyway it, it wasn't wasn't my favorite pressing night but i like uh, yeah it's it's thing. again it's not bad moves it's just like it's just where is this going that's that's my my biggest question about all that um the Orlando Magic took Anthony Black at six and Jet Howard eleven. They were kind of the team that I think a lot of people expected them to shake things up if they were going to do anything. Um, they, uh, speaking of log jams, they absolutely have a log jam in their backcourt now. I like Anthony Black a lot. I think that they, that that was a good fit there, but I also think that you could have possibly maybe picked um, or you know somehow maybe packaged. Cole Anthony in the six and maybe see what you could do with that. But that's just me playing fantasy GM. Um, the jet Howard pick. Cause okay, Cause we were very interested in this because we were at 10. And then when we went to 12, the magic could have really screwed us up for us because we really, there were some pieces that we wanted and whatnot. And then when they said jet Howard, I was 
a little shocked because he was like at the time on like number 10 on Billis's best available and on a lot of mocks was not this high. So I think there's yeah. a lot of reaching gone by them, but you know, if that ends up, I mean, Jet Howard is a good player and it might end up working out just fine for them. But I, I think there's just a lot of reaching tonight and now they have a big, I think a big log jam. They have to figure out trying to figure out what's going to happen next with these players. This really bums me out because I really liked what the Magic have done the last couple of years. Um, I hated this draft for them. I, I, I'm i not an Anthony Black guy. I, I guess I get that there weren't a whole lot of, maybe you felt like there weren't a lot of options here. But, I don't know. I, I just, it's hard to, one thing that's tough to, to judge when you're talking about moving from college to, to the, or judging college players for how they're going to do in the NBA is like, there's no spacing in college basketball at all. It's awful. It's just, it's such an awful, awful product to watch anymore. Um, but Anthony Black's not, I don't think he helps you at all off ball and on ball. I just don't think that he's better or going to be better than Markel Fultz. And I'm still somewhat of a believer in, in Suggs too. So Mm -hmm. I do not dig. I just don't, I don't dig that pick for, for them, especially at six. I, and then Jed Howard, you, you definitely could have had Jed Howard later. Yeah. uh, Like there was trades happening at that point. If this is your guy, then trade down and pick him later. But, uh, that was a major reach to me. And if you have two picks in the top, like that's a team that should have taken Cam Whitmore at 11. They should have taken Cam Whitmore. Like it's whatever, unless when he came in for an interview, he was like a complete and total disaster. Then, you have two picks. You have all these young, talented guys. Like that guy is probably worth taking a chance mm-hmm. on at eleven. I, I would like their draft so much more if it had been Taylor Hendricks and Cam Whitmore. Even if Cam Whitmore busts out, I mean, I even just when you have two picks, it's like worth, like you said, you know? I think there was a world where they could have seen the writing on the wall that Whitmore's going to be available at seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, trade back yeah. to that. Get a get. Even if you got a second, you know, a second round pick with it, that's still a better play than just taking. Oh, here's the guy we could have had at nineteen. And so sure. I, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, let's see. The Sixers didn't have a pick. The Suns didn't have a pick. We already talked about Portland. The Kings did not have a pick, or they did, but they traded it back for Colby Jones, which I think was a pretty decent pickup. They traded Rashawn Holmes to us, which that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me why they would trade Rashawn other than the contract and the 24th pick. So that was a choice. But I think that they are they're preparing for some sort of free agency move, which is also weird to say out loud. Um, yeah. in a Kings perspective. So yeah. we'll part Kings entire night was based on trying to yeah. get as much cap space. Which I'm sure possible, we will talk is, about that in the next couple yeah. of weeks in regards to who, sure. who sh- shows up for them. The big story tonight, it's not a strategy. I love, no, either. it's never worked honest. out for us. Like so <laughs> yeah. I just feel like you can always get off the, the contracts when you know, you have the person that you want to yeah. sign. Agreed. Not, not doing it's it literally in, never worked for the maps. And so we've, we've got a, well, and it hasn't worked for the Kings either. I mean, like, yeah, who's, who's know, clamoring to go to Sacramento? They've done that a few times, and I know it was a completely different regime and stuff, but they've done that a few times, and it hasn't worked. So I, I don't know. I just feel like that usually doing that is – typically doing that is doing it in reverse. You should do it the other way. Yeah. Around. But anyway. 
Uh, let's see. The Spurs were the big talk. They drafted Victor Wimbenyama at one. That's pretty obvious. And then they could basically just sat back. The best part of the night was, was the pop quotes, I think. Um, also, I really like Victor. I really, I do too. I do too. I was going to say that. Like, I think that we've talked about, we've all talked about Wimby like to exhaustion. There's no point in even talking about it at this point, except to say he kind of rules. Like he's a fun, I hope that he's, I hope that obviously a hope for the injury stuff to, to the injury bug to stay away from him, but he's, he's a very likable player, which, which is kind of nice. It, I don't think I was totally prepared yeah. for that. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully good things happen. I, I'm, I'm happy for that. The Toronto Raptors at 13 took the least favorite part of my night, which was Grady Dick, who I already wasn't <laughs> thrilled about in response to. I just, I, I just had, I was just certain the Mazer would take him and make my life miserable the next four years. We, we both were so stressed out all night that the. Mazer and then, he, and then around two o'clock, I saw what his fit was going to be, and I was even more out on the guy. The dude looks like yeah. Dorothy from Wizard of Oz threw up on him. On purpose. On purpose. On purpose. And I, if you are from Kansas and you are a sane person, I am so sorry that that's who represented your state last night because I would, if I was from Kansas, like my dad is, I would have been very frustrated about that. Because uh, that, that to me was the equivalent of everybody assuming that if we are from Texas, you have a cowboy hat and a horse in your backyard. Because <laughs> good grief, what a nightmare. I mean, listen, I think Grady Dick has the potential to be a decent role player and – like at 13, that's great value. I think there, there was some, he's the best shooter yeah. in the draft, but I just, I just right? like all the memes. I, if I, yeah, yeah, all the memes today would make me so sad if I was a, if I yeah. was a Toronto fan, uh, the jazz, I'm going to have to unfollow our friends from, from that's a wrap. Cause they're just blowing up our Twitter feed yeah. like, with Grady dig memes. I can't, I can't do it. I can't. Yeah. Stand it. It's pretty rough. The, uh, the jazz, I think had a really interesting night. Yeah. They had the nine sixteen and twenty eight coming in. They drafted Taylor Hendricks at nine, much to our disdain. Before we traded out, uh, Keontae George from Baylor at sixteen, and Bryce Sensabaugh fell to them at twenty eight from Ohio State. Um, I think that we have an, a, a biased opinion about Keontae George because we've just seen year after year how Baylor things work out. I think Taylor <laughs> Hendricks was a great pickup. Keontae sure. George on paper is a great pickup. Bryce Sensabaugh sliding yep. to you at 28 is a great pickup. What were your thoughts about them in reality, though? I love Taylor Hendricks. Uh, I think that he maybe is a little... I I, I went back and forth because I looked at him a lot because he felt like a Mavs guy. Um, and then it wasn't... It was pretty clear he wasn't going to be there. But I looked at him a bunch in the early draft stuff. And I really went back and forth on how much is he going to contribute day one versus how long is it going to take him to acclimate from going from central Florida to the NBA. Um, I think that there's some parts that could take a little longer than others, but I, but genuinely I really, really like Hendricks. And I think that was a great pick. Uh, I think he could have gone as high as I would have felt good with him as high as five, Mm -hmm. I think in this draft. Um, So getting him at nine was like a really, a really great value. Good pick from there. George and Sensabaugh, I it's a it's I'll I'll say kind of both sides of it. I like on paper these are that's a great asset valuation to get George at sixteen and Sensabaugh at twenty eight. Like you did a great job as far as big boards and mock drafts and stuff are concerned. I personally don't like either of those players mm-hmm. as NBA players. I don't. Keontae George just strikes me as a like a lot of Baylor players where it felt like he 
disappeared whenever things were good and, or, or excuse me, whenever they were playing a good team. And, uh, I just, I was super unimpressed with what I saw of him at Baylor. Sensabaugh is, I think is really a lot more raw than what his stats and, and whatnot kind of look like. But, um, so it's like, great. You did a great job. You did exactly you did. You performed above expectation as far as like draft slot where these guys are supposed to go and stuff. I'm just not a huge fan of either of those two players yeah, personally. I would but agree. Hendricks is a great fit and they have a great little, they've got a nice little roster they're working with now. Yeah. Um, and the last one before we talk about the Mavs is the Wizards at seven took Bilal Sulabali, who, which surprise, this was probably the first real surprise of the draft, I think. Big surprise. Um, a lot of, he, he has been rising fast all week long. Um, so some part of me is like, man, that's a reach. But the other part of me is like, that could very well be one of the best players in the draft when it's all said and done. It's a shame that he went to the Wizards because they have just, we just talked about the first half of this episode, how their front office looks like they're lost. Um, I I think for what they are trying to do right now, that's probably not the worst move, but it also definitely is a head scratcher for sure. So what was your uh, thoughts about that pick? I think that it's probably worthwhile because they're an awful team that should try to win 15 games next year uh, and, and start this whole thing over. I would just say there are way more examples of, this pick turning into Thon McCor oh, yeah. or Jan Vesely yeah, sure. than there are of it turning into Giannis or Pascal Siakam or for something sure. like that. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a worthwhile play, especially again, especially in this, this draft, like could they have just taken Taylor Hendricks and been like, yep, that's our guy. Yeah, absolutely. They maybe are one of the, they're a team that probably should take big swings right now because they just, they don't have anything on that roster that has any hope of becoming a top three player on your, mm-hmm. on your team. I mean, I like, I love Denny Avia. Denny Avia not panned out the way that mm-hmm. I thought that he yeah. would. And maybe he needs to change the scenery. I don't know. Obviously I'm not a big Jordan pool fan. They just have like a lot of decent role player guys who, that doesn't do anything for you if you don't have a one, two, three. So mm-hmm. take as many chances I think as you can to get a one, two, three when you're when you're as bad as the Wizards have been over the last really over our entire lives. Yeah, for sure. But I would bet against it. If it was if, if you made me if you made me you know put Oh, money there's a very on, small chance that this is actually gonna pan out say, well. It's just Yeah, I would I would lean towards Jan Vesalith on the court before anything else. Yeah. All right, so last thing before we leave this Mavs leave time. This marathon. Woo! We get to use good Mavs time, not sad Mavs yeah, time. It, it it's happy. weird. Like, I mean, last night <laughs> may have been the most enjoyable draft experiences I've ever had as a Mavs fan, like short of the Luka draft, because the right, Luka draft, right. we weren't really expecting it. And it just, like, this one was more of a, like, things are happening and I want to th- say they're good things, but I wasn't trusting that they're good things because I didn't want to say it. Um so just so you know, they, they traded back from, we talked about how they traded back from 10 to 12 and essentially they created a $17 million trade exception with Bertans to get two picks back and drafted who they say they were targeting at 10 anyway, which is Derek lively from Duke, uh, the center shot blocking defender. And then later on they traded up into 24 to get 
Reshawn Holmes in part of the trade exception and the 24th pick and ended up drafting, which I'm going to mess up his name, uh, Olivier Maxence Prosper from Marquette, who apparently is a great 3 and D guy. I mean, I, I knew of him, but I didn't know of him mm-hmm. until I started reading a lot more. So essentially they traded for two uh, start, not maybe not start now, play now defenders and got a center who, who we've been targeting for years. <laughs> You know, to, who <laughs> yeah. who has not been playing yeah. this year at all. And we've been both you and I have been like, why the heck are we not going after this guy? Well, now we did. And he's making de- like good money. It's not it's not going to, you know, completely handicap your team. Um, and by all accounts, they're not done, which is even mm-hmm. more kind of exciting in a lot of ways. So uh, my initial thoughts are what is happening <laughs> is this actually real life like did we have a good draft night because the whole time we're at 10 i said to you this is sadiq bay all over again because the guy who we wanted yeah. was sitting there which at the time for me was cam whitmore is sitting yeah. there and we're gonna about we're about to take somebody else that doesn't make any sense and then they traded back and then he was still, still sitting there and we're about to trade back and, and or we did trade back and then we took Derek Lively, who at the time, before I had done a lot of research on it, I was not thrilled about. Um, I actually, after researching and reading and seeing the Kim Whitmore stuff come out, I am actually very thrilled about a lot of these situations. Uh, what were your th- your thoughts about all of this stuff as a whole? In the moment, I was really ticked when they traded the tenth pick because you don't like trading uh, back. Like that, that you you think it's unserious when people when teams trade back. Let's just go and put that out there. It it reeked of typical Mavs BS. Of and look, listeners got to understand we we've been hurt. We have been through the freaking ringer. Um, not just with the Mavs, but like. In particular with Mavs on draft night um, in the Mark Cuban era have just consistently fooled around on draft night. For various and, reasons, too. It's not just like they don't they don't know yeah. how to draft. It was like, well, we're not going to draft because we got to sign Dr- Dwight right. Howard or Darren Williams. And, right. you know, at least we know how well that went both times. So it's just they've just always been all over the place. And so coming in. There was just rampant speculation about what they were going to do with the tenth pick, and I tr- I always come to these things with major pessimism because I'm not an idiot. Uh, I typically it's not that I'm completely against trading back; it's that if you in the moment it looked like they just traded back to to get off of Davis Bertans, and I that made me crazy. Because I just this team is has so few opportunities to get better, and you can't use like this last season was such a disaster. The only good thing that came of it is that you randomly got a top ten mm-hmm. pick, and you have to maximize those opportunities when they present themselves. And so, if all of this was going to do is just dump Davis Bertans, then I was going to be pretty pretty livid but more than that it's because cam whitmore was there i really we still hadn't seen at that point there had not at least as far as i i had seen there wasn't any it wasn't because of cam whitmore why it, it was it was because yeah. other teams were reaching at the time 
Well, yeah, and exactly, exactly. I didn't. We didn't know about the medical stuff. We didn't know about all this. Inter- all that stuff started to come out over the next like thirty minutes. But in the moment, I was like, I told you guys before the draft, I was like, if assuming that um, Whitmore, Hendricks, and uh, Jarris Walker are gone, then I'm fine with trading back at that point because I think that that's probably a decent use of your of your pick if you get it. So then, when Whitmore's sitting there and we traded again, I was pretty ticked, and I was, you know. I was talking. I was texting people and whatnot. Um, within about five minutes, it started to kind of okay. You started to kind of understand like getting the huge deal was then. Well, then it was like okay, now they're going to get a trade exception, and then we all, all all of us in the room we rolled our eyes because again, just like the history of the draft, the history of the Mavs having pretty decent trade exceptions and not doing anything with them is wide and vast. Mm-hmm. And so we're just like, cool. Well, that doesn't help us like at all. All we did was get off of Bertans. And then it's like, well, that's going to open up the, the opportunity to use the full mid-level exception, which is a huge deal for this team. A huge mm-hmm. deal to go from the 6 million exception to the 12 million exception. And there's still some stuff that has to be done to make that work, Tobin. But regardless, um, that was a major factor. So in the moment, I kind of lost my mind. I was not, I was not thrilled. But once you... Once they got lively at twelve, who was number four on my my board as far as the Mavs are concerned, like the re- obviously I would have loved to have Wemby. We're not going to get him at ten. We knew that. So for me, it was Hendricks, uh, Hendricks, Whitmore, Walker, Lively. So to end up with Lively, knowing then a little bit that that there were some issues with Whitmore, um, and to see that it all it took to get off of Bertans was to move back two spots, um. I started to feel a lot better sure. about that. I like Lively a lot. Um, he is very, very, very raw offensively. He does not have any... I th- People are going to say that he has no offensive game, and that's not true. He doesn't... He cannot dribble the ball. You are not ever going to be... Able, I don't think ever going to be able to pass him the ball, have him take one or two dribbles, and do something with the ball. He's not going to shot create for himself ever whether or not he ever becomes like a league average shooter is I think is a reasonable like question. I would lean towards no, but I I don't think it's impossible for him to figure some of that out for him to become somebody that you can give the ball and, and tell you, tell me, go get a bucket. That's never going to happen, which is not what we need on this team. Absolutely. It's a, he's a really good fit with Luca because the flip side of that is he's a, he, I think he will be a much better pick and roll player in the NBA than he was Mm -hmm. at Duke. Duke did not run enough pick and roll to highlight what he did. Well, um, I think he'll be a better rebounder long-term in the NBA than he was at Duke as well. I think part of the issue last year was the calf injury. He had to start the season. And part of it was just being somebody who is that much bigger than and more athletic than everybody you play against in high school and then suddenly everyone around you is also big and athletic is a difficult transition. And so I don't think it's a work ethic issue. I don't think it's a laziness. I don't think any of that stuff. I just think he needs time to figure mm-hmm. out how to do, how to do things like box out and get to the glass and get rebounds and stuff. He's 7 foot 1 with a 7 foot 6 wingspan. He was the best defensive player in the country last year when he was when he got healthy. Um, I actually kind of like him as a. Um, I'm not going to say playmaker, but he has really good for somebody who has no post moves whatsoever. He's actually a really good passer from the post, and I think has. 
He's not going to have short roll potential because he cannot dribble and he should never be asked to dribble, but there's something that he he I think that he long term is more is more capable offensively than just being in the dunker spot. Yeah. And maybe running the pick and roll stuff. But But that's not even if he doesn't, like if he can be good at those two things while being a very good or better defender, then this is a major win yeah. for the Mavs. I, and the I thing, think. too, is that he immediately is the guy that when Kyrie and really Luca, for being honest, like Olay's a guy to to the paint, yeah. he's going to be a guy that stands there and, and stops that. Whereas right now, Christian Wood was our best person at that, and he's not necessarily good at that. And Dwight Powell is oh gosh, terrible yeah. at that. So already that's an improvement because – you need that guy to kind of take the drivers that get olayed by Kyrie and Luca. Cause that's a big problem with our defense and offensive and rebounding wise. We just did not have that. And so those two things that immediately right. fix, not fixes, it helps. Um, but to your, like, to your point, if, if he can just be athletic and role in the role game, like mm-hmm. I said last yeah. night, he's basically just younger, more athletic Dwight Powell. And, and, and that's not even accounting for his defense. And so, that's right. already a plus for us. And on top of the fact that he's going to make a third of what Dwight Powell made last year. And so. And yeah. And I think to, I think lively is a great example of why big boards are difficult because I think he, I think lively has way more value immediately and in the long term to the Mavs than he's, than he's going to, to other sure. teams because of, because of the, because the Mavs have Luca and Kyrie um, and they're not, a, they're not a normal 10, 10 pick because they, they shouldn't be right. a 10 pick, you know? Right. So I just, I just think like I could totally understand why, which by the way, a lot of big, I mean, most of the big boards I saw had him somewhere between 10 and 15. So this was, you know, that was fine. That was great value. But like, I can understand why the magic would not have been interested in lively you know, anywhere near this, if they, if you're making a magic big board, he's a lot lower than he is for the Mavs. He, I just think he has more value to the Mavs than he um, would have to a lot of other teams. Um, so I think that was a great move. And then, and then the second move, um, it just feels really weird to have a night where not only did the Mavs do well, in my opinion, but also it felt like the general consensus amongst um, draft Nick's draft people was like the Mavs are destroying this. Like they're doing an incredible job. <laughs> it's just very odd to feel like. Well, do you, are we outsmarting you know teams? What, because that doesn't ever. Well, happen you know what the, the, the trick for me that that kind of made me realize like oh maybe this is like for real like this is not just us being homers and like and and being cautiously optimistic was when John Hollinger wrote that we did well. John Hollinger hates the Mavs. He has openly trashed them for years and he basically said that we killed it last night. And so that right there was like the sign of, okay, like, you know, Nico had a good draft last year. Like he did a good job in the draft last year and like we, and, and he he made good deals that we would make again with Christian Wood, and so if this is the Nico mm-hmm. that we're getting, like, do I wish he would do better things about you know roster building during the year? Sure, maybe, but like, should he have maybe re-signed Jalen Brunson, and we wouldn't have to be having this conversation? Yeah, fine, but um, what he's doing with 
the little things that we've given him right now and with the draft mm-hmm. moves and like these little things of, of financial flexibility and stuff, it's, it's been really effective. And so this, uh, Olivier Ma- OMP basically is a, you guys are saying this, I haven't watched enough tape or read about it enough, but basically he's a high motor three and D wing. Dude. And a lot of people are saying that they see him as a high motor Dorian Finney Smith, which is, I, Great. I, I am in, I am, I am in love. <laughs> I am in love. Like this is, uh, he is the wing we needed all last year. That's what, if, if he, if he so, pans out, he's yeah. the wing we needed all last year. Yeah. I, I think that he, I think that's a great way to put it. Now, look, we gotta be cool about not putting too much sure. on rookies. Um, I think it is very important that these two guys play mm-hmm. next year, that they get real, rotational minutes um because you need them you're gonna need them to be rotation guys if not starters very quickly um shouldn't put that on them next year but like you need them to get to that point yeah. as quick as you can i mean they're they're not second um, round oh, picks like Jaden hardy so like they, they don't yeah. they don't need to be sitting right. in the g league they right. need to be playing minutes well and I, I think I'm glad you brought up Hardy because I think that like Derek Lively was the number one player in, in his class. Uh, Hardy was the number two player in his class. Omax wasn't. He's a completely different kind of guy. But I do think that that gives some indication of what Nico is looking for, what Nico and Michael Finley are looking for, and 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 who they know. Um, it's just this franchise has been such a stupid franchise for our. Really, since they won the title, um, and, and a little bit before too, and probably some before. Yeah, good point. Um, and so it's just really weird. Like I listened to seventy seven minutes in heaven, the Mavs athletic podcast this morning, and I, I, it just was really, it was really refreshing to. This may not work, by the way. Lively has no offensive game, like with the ball, so he may bust out. I don't know. Omax is a high effort. Uh, energy guy and if but if he can't make threes at a decent rate then he won't play in the nba for very long so like those things might not work out the draft is always a mm-hmm. crapshoot the point is just did you go through the process correctly did you do things from a smart <laughs> standpoint and so frequently the mavs have not been smart about the way that they have approached the draft and like Cato said on the pod that one of the things they put lively through and i'll just be honest with you i have no idea how common or uncommon this is what they did maybe this is like maybe somebody's listening and is like yeah no duh um it was a nice little but it was nice to see the Mavs being competent if nothing else one of the things they did with lively especially was on the fly they threw him into what the Mavs systems are and like what we (laughs) run defensively on the fly to see how quickly he can pick up on what we were trying to do. And they said he freaking crushed that stuff. Like Interesting. Instantly. I didn't like, see yeah, that. No problem. He knew exactly what to do at Duke too. defensively. They played all kinds of different systems with him. Um, drop coverage, not drop meeting high meeting, lo- like all of the different things. And he did really well in all of those things. Um, not that he's going to like, if John Morant pulls him out to the perimeter, it's not, it's probably not going to go well, but how many bigs are, capable of doing that very very few you know so whatever um i liked that i thought it was really telling that they that both of these guys too in their their post-draft interviews just both of them were all in on 
I'm just here to do the little things. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to set screens and roll. I'm going to play hard on defense. I'm going to do like Omax's interview was awesome. Cause he's just is like all in on, I'm here to do all those things. I, I might be higher on Omax than I am on, on lively even if I'm being honest, because he just, he fits the profile sure. of what I the kind of player that I love. He is all energy, all hustle. I think that he is somebody who is capable of, being the catalyst for the entire defense, like to be not necessarily to be like a, Oh, I don't know. Certainly not like a Kawhi Leonard or, or maybe even a, maybe like a healthy OG. I mean that yeah, at the very least, I would say he's somebody who is going to be the leader of the defense can be the best defender on a, or best perimeter defender on a team, on a good team and can lead out that defense with the, the communication and the calling things out. He is, for as much as he's not really natural as an offensive player yet, he is incredibly natural as the leader of the of a defensive unit. Um, yeah, like high energy Dorian's a great comparison. There's a little bit of like the good side of Torian Prince, especially like when when if you, I mean you remember Prince mm-hmm. and Baylor when he first came out. Like there's some of that to him. There's a little bit of like uh, Al Farouk Amino, which I Ooh, love. Him, Robert Covington. But like, dude, he's 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 six foot seven and he has a seven foot one wingspan and he moves. And so the deal is they added two defender, two defenders who I think can contribute defensively from day one. And also got two young guys who are going to be on rookie contracts who are going to run. And suddenly for a team that doesn't have I mean, Luca plays at his own pace most of the time for good, but sometimes to his own detriment. And now you can put on the floor with him. You could put guys, you could put, you could put Omax lively, Josh green and Jaden Hardy on the floor. And you can freaking run with those guys. Um, It's, it's really, I, I really love these. I love these two moves. And so the, the second move honestly made the first move even better. Cause it's like, the Kings had to give up to just full on give up a, a, a first round draft pick in order to get off of Rashawn Holmes, whose contracts. Not it's not that bad. bad. Like and $12 million and there's year. speculation that we're going to be shopping that as well in possible future moves. So, so sure. either we're shopping it and we're getting something with that deal, or we have a, a center who, when he was playing was actually somewhat effective. And so, so yeah, so, that's that's the last thing that I wanted to talk about. Like, was the the Rashawn part of this is interesting because you and I have been kind of pining for Rashawn for for several seasons. He did not play at all last year, like at all. It's pretty telling. In some, if you want to look at it this way, you you can say it's pretty telling that the Kings were doing everything they could to find a backup for Sabonis last year at the deadline, and they couldn't do it. And they still were just like, we don't care. We're not going to play the guy that we we already have. Um, he did not play at all once Sabonis has gotten there. These were this is what he was averaging before Sabonis came in. Okay, in and like February eighth of twenty two, I guess he was at twelve eight, twelve points, eight rebounds in a block a game. He was shooting sixty eight percent from the field before Sabonis came in, and that was down from pretty significantly down from the year before. I'm not saying that Rashawn Holmes, and, and then here's the other thing too. Um, I looked at his rebound rate from that season. His rebound and block rates from that season before Sabonis came in. Okay, 
23% defensive rebounding percentage. Total rebounding percentage was 16. His block percentage was 3.3. These are not like super impressive numbers. They're fine. They're not super impressive. But this is what we have been dealing with, okay? Dwight Powell last year as a full-time starter for the Dallas Mavericks, 13.3% on defensive rebounding, which was historically horrific, 12.5% on total rebound percentage, and one6 on block percentage. Point being, do I think that Rashawn Holmes is like a long-term starter for this team? No, of course not. Um, not an idiot. But I can pretty easily talk you talk myself into, here's why he can be a contributor to a team, to this team, um, in the short term, as compared to what we have gotten used to over the last few years with the center yeah. position. In a perfect world, he's bridging the gap to Derek Lively. That's that's what you're hoping yeah. for. And if that's if that's for two sure. years, it's, it's great. If it's one year, it's great. If it's six months and he's traded, okay, like you know, it, <laughs> right. it's not. Right. It, and you and you did that with a player who literally played in junk time all year last year. So yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, <clears throat> it, it's it's a you gave and you gave up nothing to make yeah. that happen. You're, if you, anything, you you, you, you gained traded, something. You got off of Davis <laughs> Bertans. Yeah, for sure. To to bring that in the other the other the only other thing I'll say with Holmes too I think there's a real I think one of the major problems with Holmes is that he has a motivation issue when he's not playing he does not give a crap sure. about basketball and that's not a thing that I love but I also think this is a team where he's going to have the opportunity to to play some minutes mm-hmm. and his production his production plummets when he's not getting any time out there. And I, I think that, I think that the Mavs can use him. I think that he's, de- I mean, he's a better fit than he's better than Powell and he's a better fit than McGee, even if he's not better than, I don't know. So, yeah. you know, I think that that's, I think there's some, some value there and to, to get off of Bertans to make all of this happen while bringing in two guys that in theory should be in your starting lineup in a year or two. Um, and, and turn up the opportunity to 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 make the full MLE happen. Um, that's like a freaking home mm-hmm. run of a night, and that has we. How many times have we ever said that about the Mavs? Uh, on, yeah, usually we're night? we're making it's, excuses for stupid behavior. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or just being real bummed yeah. out. So, um, yeah, it's cool. All right, all right, let's get out of here. Um, after a, a nice a nice two hour show that we've got going. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Most of our episodes are at least a little bit shorter than this. Uh, if you like what you heard, tell a friend, bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us greatly to carve a little space in this very cramped podcast market. Leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. In that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past, and we like to read those out at the end of the show. We might be back next week talking about the beginning of free agency and what that looks like. Um, If not, we'll be back the week after talking about all the insane things that happen in the first week of free agency. And until then, stay hard, Ronnie Rogers.